0: Y'all doing good? You guys have a good energy in the room, man. I bet y'all had an awesome time in worship, didn't you? With one of the most amazing worship teams in Chesterfield County, maybe in all the earth, right? Give it up for them, man. They're awesome. It's probably been a little while since I've seen many of you, but maybe last week even. Was anybody at the 20-year celebration last week at the Tech Center? Oh, yeah. That was awesome, man. We're still hearing testimonies of that, and just what a great day in the house of the Lord it was. It was awesome to be a part of it. We're so grateful for all of you make it happen. Dream Team, every single week, you guys are a part of that too. So we're so grateful, so thankful. Really honored to be here to, to bring the word today. I'm, I'm thankful for a great pastor who trusts me enough not to destroy uh, what, what, what we're working to build here and uh, just excited about what God's going to do. You know God's word is transformational, right? Transformational. And so today I'm hoping that, that as I share that God's going to really speak to your hearts, He's going to transform your hearts, maybe give you a new way of looking at some things. And uh, I, just, I just hope he uses it. So, so buckle up. Here we go. A couple weeks ago, or really months ago at this point, uh, my family moved from uh, a place that didn't really, like didn't have an HOA to a place that did. It was like a small starter home into a, a home that could better accommodate a family of our size. Uh, when we first moved into the old place, we were uh, a family of four. Moving into the new place, we moved in as a family of seven. So, so we grew a little bit. Uh, five children uh, is what we moved to the new place with. So it was a, a very extreme difference. So we moved from that old place where, like, I cut the grass as little as possible. Really, I was cutting weeds, I think. It was more along the lines of weeds. And I would, I would try to cut, like, every 10 days. So that means I was cutting it on the lowest possible platform that the lawnmower would go on so that I wouldn't have to cut it as often. All right, but in this new place, Apparently, they love their yard so much, and they love cutting grass so much that they just give it a little trim every single day. So it's like they're just shaving. You know, they just, every single day, they just take a little slither off, and it just always stays at that perfect level, at that perfect length. So the very, very first time that I ever went to cut grass, I, I just felt all this pressure to do well. It was really, a, it was really my, my debut in the neighborhood as a, as a, as a grass-cutting performer, and, uh, and, and the moment that I opened the garage door... I I suddenly had just this sense of everyone is watching me. And I know this isn't true, but I just felt like, Maybe a husband was in his living room. Noticed my garage door open. Noticed me coming out with my lawnmower and said, "Honey, go get my Yeti cooler and grab the popcorn. Let's sit on the porch and watch this dude do some work in his yard." I felt like everybody was just preparing to, to watch, and I felt all this pressure to do well. And so I start cutting this grass again, with all of this in mind, with this with this idea that the thousands of people are watching me cut the grass. My neighbors across across the yard, and I'm at, across the the. Uh, street, and I'm imagining him as he's over there, like, doing this perfect edge job that I'm nowhere able to do. I do own a weed eater, but I don't know how to restring it, so I bought it, like, three years ago. Once the string ran out, it was done. Like, it's no good to me anymore. I think you just have to buy a new weed eater when you run out of string, right? No? So so I had all this pressure to do well, and and uh, it, didn't, it didn't really start off that good, because about five minutes in, I actually ran out of gas. All right, so I get about four or five stripes into the front yard, and the gas goes out, and I go to the gas can, and I got nothing. So I'm like, all my fans, all my spectators who are watching around the neighborhood are going to be so disappointed in me. And, 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 and I have to leave and go and get gas. And I bring the gas can back, and I put gas in the lawnmower right there in the middle of the driveway so that everyone would know, oh, because they're all still watching, right? Everyone would know, oh, he just ran out of gas. No big deal. And so I get cutting again. And as I'm approaching the neighbor's yards, I begin to realize that, you know, in that old place, I was cutting things so low because I didn't want to cut it very often. Well, apparently in the new place, you just give it a little shave, so the grass stays a little bit higher up. See, I, I left the place where there were weeds, and I came to the place where I think it's called fescue. Is that right? It's grass? I'm not cussing at you. It's called fescue. It's the name of the grass. All right, so, so I, start, I start cutting it, and I realize how, how low the grass is in comparison, and my sense that everyone is watching instantly melts away into the sense of total humiliation. And I can't change the platform at this point because it would be uneven. And, and so I'm all in for just, like, scalping my yard on this first, first attempt. And in my mind, like, everyone's just going back inside with so their heads down, like, look, like, this guy's just destroying things. Who invited the Beverly Hillbillies into the neighborhood? And so on top of it being, being too short, I guess, because I was cutting it so low and because it's actual grass and not weeds, like, it was actually leaving these long lines of grass trimmings all along way and so when i got completely done i stepped back and i looked at it from my porch and it was completely different than what i expected when i first started see in the old place i would step back and look at it i'd be like hey job well done it's not up to my waist like my neighbors over there like like job well done good job in the new place i looked up and i see all the flaws i look across from the neighbor i look across at the neighbor and his is just the epitome of perfection and i'm like I'm humiliated, I'm embarrassed, I'm just going to go inside. I should rake this up and clean it up and make it look a little bit better, but I'm just going to go inside and hide. And what was the difference? Well, the difference was, why was I ashamed? The difference is because my filter changed. Like in the old place, there was an old way of doing things, but in the new place, there's a new way of doing things, and my blinders were removed, and I was able to see what I was supposed to be doing all along. I was able to see, get a better grasp of the better way of doing things. If I can tie this in for you scripturally, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to read 10 verses in Ephesians. Let's start at verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. It says, As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Old place, right? You were dead in which you used to live when you conformed to the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived, old place, right? Old nature. Among them, at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, by nature, objects of wrath. So that was the old you, that was the old me. Again, past tense words we're not there anymore. There's something different. There's something changed. We now have a new nature. So verse 4 says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. So because God is good, right, in that old place we had an old nature, but because God is good, we, he's now called us to a, to a closer walk with him. He's, called, he's justified us. He's made it just as if we've never sinned because when we accept Jesus, it's just as if we've never sinned. We get cleansed, we get washed clean of our past, and we get made new. And so, and then at the end, he, he just reminds you, there's no amount of works that you can do to earn this. This is all done by grace. This is God's grace. This is God's gift To you, And so the title of my message today is Do Works, but I want to be very, very, very clear that we don't do works to earn salvation. We don't do works to earn God's favor. All right, I'm going to share why we do works, but that's not it. We have salvation because it's a gift of God, not of works. Amen? All right, so you with me on that? All right, so we go from that old place where, like, my yard's not so bad. Like, I don't let it grow up to my waist anymore. Right, we have that old nature where we're like, at least I'm not as bad as the next guy. All right, we try to, we try to do that in, in our lives. But now we're in this new place, and, 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 and when there's new expectations. We have a new perspective. We have a new nature. So those things that we used to celebrate, like, did you guys know that dandelions aren't flowers? Yes, yeah, some of you knew that? See, in my old place, dandelions were flowers. We celebrated dandelions. Like Juliana, my five-year-old bring would bring dandelion. We bring a bouquet of dandelions to my wife for Mother's Day and say, "Mommy, flowers." And we're like, "Yeah, we celebrate dandelions." All right, but but that's the old nature. So the things that you used to celebrate. In the old nature, now you look back at it and you're like, in your new nature, you're like, I cannot believe I used to celebrate that. I can't believe I used to enjoy that. That thing used to hold me back. That thing used to hold me down. I don't want anything to do with it anymore. And now you're in that new place and you're like, hey, I just want fescue, right? I don't want any dandelions anymore. All right, so now with this new perspective, we have verse 10. All right, so considering all of that, considering all that God's done, verse 10 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, so we're saved by grace and we're created to do good works. And these works are done in response to God's mercy. Again, we have this culture that we feel as Americans we have to earn; like we don't get anything unless we earn it. All right, well, that's not how it works in God's economy. So, but but what happens is your works do fulfill God's plan. Did you notice how it says He prepared our works in advance for us to do? So the things that he's gifted you with, the passions that he's given you, his desire then is for you to work out those things in your life, and I'm going to show you why in just a moment. So we have to fight against that old nature, right, that old nature that says, I want something for nothing, right? And that old nature, like the HOA, like, you know, they provide the, they provide the pool and, and the expectations of a clean neighborhood and all the other mysteries that HOAs provide. What we like to do is we like to, we like to get that stuff, but we don't like to necessarily hold up our end of the agreement. We want the privilege of the nice plush green grass without the trimming and the weeding and the plucking of the dandelions. And in the same way, in our new nature, sometimes we want the privilege of constant communion with God without any effort whatsoever. And so the encouragement out of Second uh, Peter chapter 1 is to do works and to know that your works keep you from stumbling. Your works keep you from stumbling. So your works are for your own benefit. That's one of the things. Your works are for your own benefit in one way. Here's the passage. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. He's given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you'll participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and kindness and love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive so again we see that we see that make every effort we see participate we see add to your faith we see faith we see all these action verbs that God's called us to and what they're going to do is they're going to keep us from being unproductive in the things that God's prepared in advance for us to do all right, and then it says at the end, for if you do these things, you will never fall. You will never fall. And don't we see that play out in our lives sometimes? Like when we're actually involved in the work of the ministry, like maybe, for example, your small group has been a part of, of serving our Caritas guests. Like when you're involved in that work and you're doing it, man, there is nothing that, that's more fulfilling than, than just pouring out yourself and just giving back. And there's lots of different ways that you can be involved in, in the life of the church. And And when you're doing those things, doesn't it seem like, Like you don't struggle with the old things of the past, with that old nature, with that old place. Like once you're just really fully invested in this new place, don't you feel like God's just using you in different ways? And then to contrast that, when you do kind of like maybe get spiritually lazy and and, and stop kind of making any effort at all and you stop participating, aren't those the times that you sometimes struggle and fall back into the old patterns? You fall back into the old place, you fall back into the patterns of that old nature? So there's an illustration, sometimes Pastor Sands used this one, I have a slight variation of it, but when you go to the beach, you know, we set up an umbrella uh, in the sand, and like for me, I've got five children, I can't remember if I told you guys that yet, but I've got five children, and uh, so when I get my little litter of children together, like when we first get to the beach, I say, hey guys, here's the umbrella, here's the covering, like here's the protection, I need you guys to stay aligned with this protection, stay aligned with this covering. Because it's here to protect you. It's here to keep you from, from, from getting dragged down the beach. So, so whether, whether you're playing out in the sand in front of it or even if you start going into the water, I need you to be aware of your covering. Be aware of the umbrella the entire time. And they're like, yes, daddy, just let us go. Just free us. And they run off and they scatter. And as soon as their little toes hit that water, there begins to be this current that tugs at them. All right, and then, and if it's just at the ankles, no big deal, like no problem, they can handle that. But when they go a little bit deeper, to their knees, like they, it feels a little bit more of a tug, and it may cause them to stumble a little bit. It may start drawing them down, pulling them down the beach. If they get into their waist, it's even harder. If they get up to their chest, it's pretty much a done deal. I mean, they're going to get dragged down the beach, and then eventually they're looking up, like, "Where am I? I've lost my covering. I've lost my protection. Where's mom and dad?" And um, and and so the deeper, so the deeper they go, the more compromises. That they make, like the further away they get from their covering, the quicker it is that they begin to stumble and fall. And that's how it is in our spiritual life. When we begin to, when we begin to step out of the things that God's really called us to and we're not engaged anymore and we're not, we're not pursuing and we're not making every effort, we begin to slip into the things of the culture, very quickly we'll find that our natural tendency is to drift and we'll start drifting back away from the perfect things that God has for us. And so Peter's saying just again that your faith will drift away if you're not making every effort. All right, and sometimes we even tell ourselves that we sin because we're human. But what we're really doing is we're just justifying our future sin. And and what God wants you to know is that that he's implanted his spirit within you. He's given you power to overcome sin. You don't have to live the way you used to live in the old place. You don't have to live the way that things were in the old nature. You don't have to be a slave to those things anymore. Like now he's rescued you. He's brought you to this new place. He's given you this new nature, and he's want, and he wants, to, he wants to restore you. He wants to redeem everything from your past and use it in a glorious way. So maybe in your old nature, lust or substance abuse or covetousness, or comparison, or pride was just who you were, but in your new nature, God calls these attributes sin, and he's provided you with a way to overcome. So that sin that used to seem pretty, those old pretty dandelions that aren't pretty anymore, now we're pursuing new things, and we do that by actively pursuing these things, Peter's saying, our goodness, and our self-control, and our perseverance, and our faith, and our love, and our kindness. All right, so your works are, in a sense, for your own good. They do keep you from stumbling, but there's something else that your works do. Your works tell his story, your works tell his story because they benefit other people when you begin, when you begin to tell the story of God in your own life and sometimes we may not think of, we may not think of telling people about Jesus as as works, but there 's a, a passage in Mark chapter five, and I wanted to highlight uh, for you it says in mark chapter five, verse six, uh, what happens? What, let me set it up. Jesus is actually coming to this kind of new area he 's been on a boat. He gets out of the boat, and he, and he kind of lands, and he's, and he's stepping onto the land, and all of a sudden, like, there's this demon-possessed dude who's, like, been running around. Apparently, this guy runs through the gravesides uh, of the area, and so it says that he just terrorizes people and screams. It says he cuts himself with rocks. I mean, he is completely controlled by this uh, demonic oppression. And so as Jesus comes, the, uh, the demon-possessed dude comes and, like, runs and throws himself at the feet of Jesus, and so here's what it says. It says, when he saw him from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And I think there's really even a reminder right there that um, even, like if even the demons run to the feet of Jesus and bow before him, that there's nothing that you're experiencing in your life right now that God doesn't have the authority over. So just be encouraged in that. Like, like your things in your life, your circumstances, your trials, your struggles have to bow, have to fall down at the knee, onto their knees in front of Jesus. And so it says, he, so after he did that, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And so, he, so Jesus... Throws the, uh, throws the demons out, and, and the demons flee, and they go and run into this herd of pigs, if you're, if you're familiar with the story. And the pigs run off the cliff, and the pigs die, and, and all the people in the area are kind of freaked out by it. And they say, Jesus, you just need to go, because that was a little freaky. That kind of scared us a little bit, and we're not comfortable with 2,000 of our pigs dying. And so they send him out, and this man, but this man has been rescued. This man has been changed, and, uh, and this guy, he says, Jesus, you know, I know they're sending you away, but I want to go with you. I want to go with you, Jesus. And, but, but the Lord tells him, He says, "No, I need you to stay, and I need you to go and tell your family about the wonderful works that the Lord has done in your life." And so the Bible says that He not only stays and tells His family, but He goes back into the entire region. They call it the Decapolis. He goes back into those those, those uh, ten cities of that region and begins to share the wonderful works of the Lord. So there's this element that 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 we have to tell the stories of what God's doing in our lives. And and if, some, if God's done something in your life, which I know he has, I don't think you'd be sitting here if he hadn't, then you've got you've to tell your story. Maybe you have a growing relationship with God, and it's changing your heart, and it's changing your family. Maybe there was trouble in your marriage. Maybe there was trouble in your finances. Maybe there was a sin that God helped you to overcome. When you really get about the business that God's called you to, you'll find different opportunities to share. And you know, it's never been easier to tell people about the Lord. You're, you're literally able to go on Facebook today after this service, and in fact, I would even encourage you to do it. I would tell the world where you go to church and what God is doing in your life, what he's doing in your heart, how he's transforming you, how your family was headed down this way, how in the old place, in the old nature, things were one way, but now because you've given your lives to Christ, because you've submitted to Jesus, because you said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, things are completely different in this new nature. Tell the world, man, see what will happen. We had somebody at our Mosley campus who recently did that. They have a, a, kind of a fresh, growing walk with the Lord, and, and they just shared just, just kind of a paragraph about what God was doing in their lives. And we have seen, she saw almost 200 people kind of engage with her on Facebook, and she said she's never had that kind of engagement before. And, and it's not about getting likes and shares. It's about people hearing what's happened in your life and inspiring them and encouraging them because they need this transformation power at work in them that you have in you too. So go and tell them. Invite them to taste that the Lord is good. Invite them to church. Let them, let them see what God's doing in your life. Be bold in your witness. Amen? All right. So, so your works, so not only do they benefit others, not only do they benefit yourself, right? They benefit others because they tell his story. They benefit you because they keep you from stumbling when you're participating, when you're making every effort. But they also bring God glory. They bring God glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So think of this heavenly uh, glory ray that beams down from heaven. Like God, he's already glorious. He's already more glorious than we could ever make him. We can't make him any more glorious. But what he's called us to do is to really reflect out, to be an instrument of what what he's working in us and what he's working through us, to be an instrument of that. You know, no one has ever been to a Kenny G concert and said, can you believe how talented that saxophone was? No one ever did that. We have to be the saxophones and understand that we are just instruments that God is using. And so we quickly point back, if anybody wants to give us credit for anything that God's doing, for any work that we do, we've got to be so quick because if you're not, pride's going to creep in. You got to be so quick and say, God, I give you the glory for using me in this way. I'm just your little piddly saxophone. I'm just here, your humble servant. I'm here pursuing God. I'm here making every effort. I'm here as your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and I'm going to pursue you, and God, whatever happens to me happens to me, but you use me, God. I want to be your instrument. I want to be your faithful servant, and watch how God does amazing things through that. But what happens a little bit sometimes is we kind of, we get back in that old nature, and we forget that, we forget where we've been rescued from, and, and we want to kind of, we want to get a little bit of glory for ourselves. That's what happened in Genesis chapter 11, and at the, uh, the, the story of the Tower of Babel, there was a group of people who, who wanted to receive some glory, who wanted to have some honor in their own names, and their own rights, and so they, be, they began to build this tower, and it was going to be the biggest tower that the world had ever seen, and, and, they, and they actually said, uh, what did they say? What did they say? Where is it? Where is it? I can't find it. There it is. They said, we're building this tower to live, to make, this is a quote from Scripture, to make a name for ourselves, to make a name for ourselves. And if you're familiar with that passage, then you'll know what God does is he goes in and disperses them and confuses them and completely messes up like their plan because we aren't deserving of the glory. It's God's glory. But contrary to that, we have the nation of Israel that came out of one man, came out of Abraham, saying, "Not my will, Lord, but your will be done in my life." And because he was obedient, God filled the earth with his descendant, with his descendants, filled the earth with the, with the knowledge and the glory of God through the family of Abraham. And, and, and even today, it's not just Israel that was created for God's glory. We are the New Testament church. We're his workmanship, we're created for his glory too, and so he's calling us, he's still calling us to walk in that, to still walk in obedience, to still say, not my will, but your will be done. And he's, he's going to receive glory when we do that. Last year, we went on a missions trip. It was a men's trip to, uh, to Madrid, Spain, and there's a, there's a center there in the, in the heart of the city where they're actually helping people who come from uh, some of the Muslim nations who are fleeing as refugees, and they're coming and they're landing there I guess the European Union kind of disperses people uh, according to kind of who can handle them. And, and, and so Madrid kind of gets its fair share of people there in the city. And, and as they come, this, this group, of this, group, this center that is there, they're actually working with them, trying to help them learn the language, trying to help them learn life skills. Because if not, they're coming from these other places where it's, they, don't, they don't know the jobs, they don't know the language, like they're not acclimated, their kids aren't in school, they can't afford to buy them um, school supplies and all that stuff. So this center is there in Madrid, Uh, There to just to help people, and through and through that, through the building of relationships, they're actually able to share Jesus with people. And they say one of the one of the biggest shots in the arm that they get is when a when a mission trip team comes into the city, and just helps them and and does the work of the ministry along with them. Remember, we're talking about doing works. So when, when we come in and we do the works of the ministry with them, they said that you won't necessarily see things when you're here, but when you leave. They're going to look to us and they're going to ask us, why did this group of guys come? Why did they give up their vacation time? Why did they spend the money that they spent? Why did they spend hundreds of dollars for my kids? You know, the media says we're supposed to be enemies, right, because we're, we're from another country and we, we believe a different uh, religion than them. Like, why, like, what possesses them to do that? It doesn't make sense. And then the missionaries are then able to turn to them and say, yeah, it doesn't make sense, but that's, that's Jesus' heart in them. And then so it's not a matter of, yeah, they don't give us credit. It's not like, oh, yeah, this is a really cool group of guys, and they just want to come and do good works and do good things in this area. But, but they're saying that, that when we come and then when we go, they're able to point back to Jesus and say, the same Jesus that I've been sharing with you as your missionary, these guys have that same Jesus in them, and they love you, and they want to see your lives transformed from an old place from an old from an old nature to a new place in a new nature, and God gets the glory for that because again we don't accept it. We point back to Jesus and say, God, you have done great things. Continue to do great things. Continue to use me in those ways. And the Bible says to let your light, let your light shine before men, so that they'll see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, and so this isn't an encouragement just to do God a favor. All right, we're not encouraged to let our light shine before men so that they'll see our good deeds and glorify Father our Father, as a favor to God. What it is, is it's a, it's actually a fulfillment of your very purpose in being. That's why you're here. Remember, remember what the Bible says. This is God's word. Transform it. Allow it to transform your heart right now. You are here, not for your own good pleasure. You are here to do works for Him. Saved by grace, created to do good works for Christ. That's why we're here. And so I know it's, it, it's not always easy. I know sometimes you have to make room for it, for it. I mean, that's the reality of anything that takes effort. Like, there's works involved, and that means you got to do some work. All right? So that's, sometimes that's hard. And, uh, you know, my family chose to get involved. And please know that I'm not bragging in any way. You guys have done amazing things. You've done, many of you have done similar things. This is just my story that I'm hoping will encourage you. Um, we, we, we opened our home to a little girl. So we had four biological children. And... Uh, and we opened our home to, to one more little girl. And uh, again, we didn't, we didn't need any kids. <laughs> we had enough. We had plenty of kids. You know, every, when we showed up at a restaurant, people thought a parade had come in. Like, like we, we were good. We were, we were full. But this opportunity came up, and, and we said yes. We said yes to it. And uh, and her name is Kylie. And, uh, and And God's doing really cool things in her life. And I could, like when things are hard, you know, I wish it was always glamorous, but when things get hard, You know, if she's having kind of these meltdowns or whatever, like I could step back and say, did I do the right thing? You know, is this what I was really supposed to do, Lord? But really, that's kind of that old nature creeping in a little bit. And if I'm being completely transparent, like it's not about my comfort. And it's not about protecting my resources. And it's not about me living a stress-free life. If we live that way, we're completely missing the long game. We're completely missing the eternal purposes for which we were created. And so when we begin to embrace it, and in this specific scenario, when we embrace it and we kind of we get a vision for what God wanted to do all along in this little girl's life. You know, she's now got a family. She's got a family who loves God. She's got brothers and sisters who love her. She has a mommy and a daddy who love her. She'll get a, she'll, she has a mommy and a daddy to, to twirl in a little dress in the living room for. She has a daddy to tell her that she's beautiful now. She has a mommy to love her and instill confidence in her. And one of these days, One of these days, because we said yes to doing works, one of these days she's going to put her faith in Jesus Christ. Her life is going to be completely transformed. And one of these days, if God wills it, I'm going to walk her down an aisle as her daddy, and I'm going to hand her off, not to some junkie who's going to inject heroin into her arm, but to a man who loves Jesus. You know, history would say that she should repeat she should repeat the mistakes of her past and that she should be a she should be an addict and she should struggle and she should have addictions but God transforms and so when we begin to be a part of doing these works God transforms And so I'll be able to hand her her off. She's going to build her own family. And this family is going to love Jesus. And they're going to cherish God. And they're going to pursue the things of God. And the total trajectory, everything that Satan meant for harm, God's been able to redeem. Because you're able to say, yes, Lord, I'll do the works that you've called me to. And so she's going to build a family. And it completely changes the trajectory of an entire generation. What Satan meant for harm, God repurposes and does awesome things out of it. So we do works for the long game. We do works for eternal purposes. We step out of the weeds of our old nature. We get out of them dandelions. We stop celebrating that stuff. We we cut it all away and we step into the new nature and we say, God, not my will, but your will be done. I do works for my benefit because they keep me from stumbling. I do works for other people's benefit as I tell God's story of how he's transformed my life. And I do works for God's benefit because as I do works, he receives the glory and the honor that he's due. So in closing, last sentence, do something you don't have to do and do it to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Can you guys rise to your feet with me? I'd like to pray for you, and but before I do, and we're going to go back into a chorus, uh, but before I pray for you, um, I just want you to know, like, this is the perfect training ground for doing works. I mean, you have got a church that has so many different areas. Whatever God's laid on your heart, remember, He put that stuff in you at the beginning. Like, He prepared works for you in advance. So whatever it is that you're passionate about, would you just begin to pursue it? And I bet you, if we don't have it, we can make a way to begin to Ha- at least have the conversation. And God's given you passions that are going to bring him glory. We're a church that's about that. So on your way in or on your way out, whichever one, hopefully you grabbed a connection card. If, you're, if, if there's something you want to do, if there's some kind of ministry team you want to be a part of, would you just throw your name on that thing real quick and just say, hey, reach out to me. I want to do works. You don't even have to have it all together yet. You don't even have to know where you're going to get started. But just begin to allow God to work in your heart let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for this word that you have put on our hearts today. And and Lord, I pray that it's going to be a transforming word. Lord, I pray that that as we do step out of that old nature, as we do step out of that old way of doing things, and we embrace this new nature, and we embrace everything that you've called us to do, the mighty works of God that you're enabling us to do, that you prepared in advance to do, that we're going to see you do amazing works in people's lives. Lord, that you're going to be glorified and that people's lives are going to be changed and transformed in this community. God, I pray that you would use a mobilized church. Lord, that you would use an inspired church. That you would use the church that's equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit to go out into the highway and the byways of this community and to reach people for the cause of Christ. Lord, would you do it? And as you do it, God, would you keep us from stumbling? Lord, would you have brothers and sisters in Christ come alongside us? Keep us near? to you, Lord God. Don't let us get caught up in the ways of the culture and begin to drift. But Lord, let us be people who are constantly pursuing, constantly participating, constantly making every effort that keeps us from stumbling. And God, again, we're just going to point everything back to you, Lord Jesus. We are your humble servants. Lord, we live for you, and we want you to be glorified in this place so that your name, so that your glory will be known in this community and across this earth. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. God's people said amen.